Welcome to the podcast. I'm excited about two new offers from the podcast. Um, first off, we're we're actively open now for, for sponsors. So if you're interested in uh, sponsoring any of the episodes on the podcast, send us an email at seannewmanpodcast@gmail.com. Sean with a U. And uh, we'll get you the details. Uh, secondly, we're offering the podcast experience. Uh, for me, being able to interview my father and my brothers was a really cool experience on so many different levels. Um, we talked about doing it for years and years and years and, and to finally have it come to fruition was uh, surreal. I've used the word surreal many a time on this podcast, but to have my brothers uh, sit, uh, sit around and do a round table and then my father to hear uh, his story was awesome. And I guess now I have peace of mind that if the unthinkable were to ever happen, I would still have a part of their story for generations to come. So what I want to do is offer that opportunity to you guys. If you've ever thought, uh, listened to this, or had the same thought I did, right? Like it'd be really cool to get grandma and grandpa's story, or your parents, or your siblings, your spouse, your kids. Essentially, what I'm offering up is the opportunity for the podcast to come to you. So either you can come into the studio, or I can come out to you guys. And essentially, come capture your guys' story. There's three mics that come along with it. Myself and three mics. We can have three on at a time. Yourself. It's kind of open to what you guys are interested in. And we'll try and uh, capture some things for you so that uh, if the unthinkable were to happen, you'd have the same peace of mind as myself. And if you're looking for a little added incentive, the first five people to uh, sign up for the podcast experience... I'll give them 50% off. We'll make it nice and easy on you and and try and give you the best experience possible. And uh, yeah, guys, I'm looking forward to it. This week, the Boundary Battle of Alberta, which sees the Calgary Flames alumni versus the Edmonton Oilers alumni come to Lloyd Minster September 28th, have uh, been announcing their their rosters. And this week, Calgary Flames have went with Dana Merzen. a defenseman drafted fifth overall in 1985 by the Hartford Whalers. Uh, a cool thing I dug up on him. He was a part of the Stanley Cup winning 1989 team of the Calgary Flames. But uh, his second year in the WHL playing for Calgary Wranglers, he had 32 goals, 92 points, and led the entire dub in scoring. 92 points as a D-man. Holy crowley. And uh, he played... 16 years in the NHL, so he had a healthy, healthy career. The Edmonton Oilers have also gone with a defenseman, Doug Hicks, uh, actually who's from Cold Lake, Alberta. Uh, he played back in the day for the Flin Flom Bombers when it was uh, when they were a part of the WHL, but it wasn't the WHL, it was uh, the WCHL, the Western Canadian Hockey League. He was drafted... Uh, 1974, sixth overall by the Minnesota North Stars. And uh, he played uh, 10, 10 seasons in the NHL, um, three of which were for the Edmonton Oilers their first three years into the NHL when they got ex- uh, were granted an expansion franchise or brought over, I guess, into the NHL. So that's the two guys brought up uh, for the game, the Boundary Battle of Alberta. 
Calgary with Dana Merzen and Oilers with Doug Hicks to join the others. That's uh, Saturday, September 28th. They are doing the doubleheader. There's still tickets to the noon game, which you can get uh, if you go to Boundary Ford in Lloydminster. They're $25 a piece. All the money is going to Project Sunrise, 100% of the proceeds, guys. So get over there and grab a tickets while they're still available. I want to give a shout out to Ken Rutherford and Ken Rutherford Appraisal Group. Uh, Ken was, as if you've been following along the podcast, was the first guest I had. He was uh, the pilot episode, and the backstory to that is he let me. Well, together we destroyed a room in his office. It was an old storage room. We gutted it and then refurbished it so that it is now what you see as the podcast studio. And he, uh, without question, he, he let me come and bring guys at all times of the, the night to, to do these podcast episodes. And Ken is just the best. So if you're looking for a guy to do some appraisal work for you, give Ken a call. His number is 306-307-1732. He is one of the best. A couple of shout-outs this week. Uh, Colin Ringette uh, had said one of my favorite episodes. He was talking about last week's Kenny Morrison and Lyndon Springer. We had a blast uh, talking with those two guys. It was awesome. Um, and wish them the best of luck. If you haven't listened to that one, I highly suggest you go back one and, and listen to last week's episode. The other one was uh, a shout-out on Twitter from Shane Tamer. Uh, said, I'm a little late to the party, but I've been catching up on the Sean Newman podcast. Have to say, as a fan, broadcaster, board member, and former billet, uh, it's been informative, interesting, and all-around entertaining. If you're a fan of junior hockey, I can't recommend it enough. Great work, Sean. So thanks to you both. Uh, as I always say on here, I appreciate all the feedback. Love hearing from you guys. And uh, it's always nice to hear that people are enjoying what we're talking about. So Thanks again. If you're wanting to uh, get a shout-out or you want to let me know something, reach out to us, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, search the Sean Newman Podcast. Let me know your thoughts. Uh, if you're liking it or if there's something you want to see, a guest you want to see on here, um, by all means, um, let us know. If you're wanting to uh, get on the email list, once again, those three platforms, just send us a message or uh, email us again, Sean Newman Podcast at gmail.com you can let us know if you want to get on that email list uh, there's some cool uh, things going on there some a little bit behind the scenes now for this week we have former first round draft pick of the NHL supplemental draft which no longer happens but of the Tampa Bay Lightning Corey Cross uh, he was fantastic and I'm not gonna sit here and tell you the whole story I want you guys to hear it it was awesome to sit sit across from Corey so Without further ado. All right, welcome to the Sean Newman Podcast. I am joined by ex-NHLer, superstar, Corey Cross. <laughs> uh, thanks for having me. I know about superstar, but <laughs> thanks for having me here. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks for coming. Um, you're my first... Well, actually, that's a lie. I had Skip Craig on... Uh, Probably five to ten episodes ago. So you're my second NHLer. Nice, nice. Yeah. yeah. Well, you go from the oldest to the keep working down the ages, I guess. Eh? Well, we were just talking about it. You played <laughs> 12 years, over 600 games. Uh, you played for my favorite NHL team, and you played with two of my well, no, my two favoriteest hockey players of all time. Although one was a cup of coffee, one guy you played multiple seasons, Ryan Smith in Edmonton. Okay. And Stevie Y in Detroit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. 
I'm really excited to have you. Yeah, good. Well, I'm excited to be here. I'm back in Lloyd for a couple of days, so it just worked out good timing. <laughs> well, I won't uh, I won't beat around the bush. I really want to go back to, uh, with all the guys I start out, I, I want to go back to your younger years, how you got started in hockey, and if you got started like right away or if it took you until an older age, whether it was, uh, you know, your brothers and you, your dad pushing you, outdoor rink, that kind of thing. I just want to go right back to when you're, when you first got on the on the blades, yeah, and I think I just got into hockey because my other brothers that play hockey, and my oldest brother Dale is ten years older than me, so he was uh, playing some uh, you know higher level hockey. Went to Weyburn Red Wings, I think, as a fifteen year old or sixteen year old. So you know, I was about, about the time where I started five or six. I started and always looked up to him as uh, as my you know my superstar in my eyes, <laughs> right, and watching him in the uh, SJHL and then in the Western League so grew up watching him I remember always having the the point the point race with him and I didn't realize that time it uh, his job wasn't to score points but I was thinking I was pretty cool because I was beating him in points every year but uh, he was more of a fighter uh, enforcer back then Um, but yeah I just got into hockey and my middle brother Glenn he started actually coaching after he was done his minor hockey he got in the coaching ranks so he was always coaching either a team ahead of, you know, um, ahead of me or, or he was coaching me either as assistant. And then he was my last head coach in midget. So it was you just, got coached by your, your head coach was your brother. Yeah. Yeah. My last year midget here in Lloyd was, uh, Glenn was the uh, head coach of the team. Now, so. is this the famous, uh, midget year that Morgan Merv man always talk about? That's right. Yeah. It was a famous year. We had a mishmash of guys and uh end up having a pretty good team we didn't think we were going to be all that all that good but uh, we had some good chemistry everybody got along really well and a lot of those guys are still still good friends so and w- refresh my memory why was that such a special year did you guys go on and win that year no we didn't win anything no I, we just um <laughs> you know it was just a, it was just a fun year we just had a really good group of guys warren noble and morgan mann they brought the comedy and um you know, guy. You know, things happened that year too. Like Jody Pollard, another buddy of ours, he had broke his neck that year, and he was one of our top. He was, if not our top player, and uh, so a lot, a lot of things that happened that year, and we just kind of clicked. Some guys who hadn't played at that low, you know, at that high of hockey, Doyle Landry, Shane Snydel, Lee Sauer. They, they, they had never played really played high level hockey or you know the top top teams, and they got they were on a line and. They just gelled, and, uh, and and a lot of other guys who just just it was a real mishmash of guys. But uh, yeah, it worked out really well. So, um, I'm curious. I always bring this up with every guy that comes on. Back then, were you playing hockey around? Were you playing other sports? Were uh, what what did you do in the off season? I guess. Well, I get asked that a lot because of my success and. Um, you know, obviously parents, I'm coaching young kids now and parents are always asking me, you know, did you play other sports? I said, no, I, uh, I played road hockey and I played ice hockey. And then if I had to play, I played grass hockey. Like <laughs> I was hockey. It was, you know, in my eyes, I was, you know, 365 days of the year, but I was either running. I wasn't skating on the ice that much, but I was, I was a hockey player. I was doing everything hockey. Played one year of, um, baseball when I was I don't know I think I was 12 or 13 really cut into my parents camping time so my dad eliminated that from my <laughs> 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 from my spring program but 
Yeah, it was just hockey, and it's it kind of funny. But I was a I was a good athlete. I mean, we'd get the guys. We'd go we'd go play flag football or football in front of the comp, and um, you know, playing lots of sports, whatever it was. But but not nothing organized on on my end. Um, so I kind of yeah, but. But I was an athlete. I was good at track and field when I was younger in junior high and um, played on the volleyball team in junior high. I was going to say, with your height, you had to have played volleyball or basketball or something. Well, I wasn't that tall. I wasn't that tall in junior high. I didn't actually grow until grade 11 and grade 12. I grew, I think I grew like between six to eight inches, somewhere in that, in like a two to four year span. Yeah, but how tall are you? Six. Six five, just over six five. So six to eight inches, you're still well. Because I, I was. It's funny. I look at my grade grade nine grad picture, and I'm the second last guy from the end in the back row, and so I'm guessing I was probably five seven or five eight, maybe you know somewhere around there. And then um, you're saying you were my height in grade twelve. Grade nine, and then grade nine, grade nine, right? Maybe I was. Everyone's laughing right now. Maybe I was shorter than that. I don't know how (laughs) tall I was, but but in grade twelve I was, you know, back row middle. Like I was six three and a half. Then I grew another two inches after high school. No kidding. Yeah, that's unbelievable. Yeah, so I was a real, really tall, really skinny, late bloomer, you know. And um, it's it's funny. My son's going into Pee Wee this year. And I was thinking back on my Pee Wee career, and he want, obviously he wants to play on the West Kelowna top team. And I was thinking whatever where I played my first year Pee Wee, when I played on the Pee Wee B team, and we ended up playing Pee Wee D provincials, and we won the provincials. That was my uh, we won the provincials that year, and that was my minor hockey highlight. So I was thinking, you know what, if he doesn't even make the top team, it's not that big of a it's deal. Not the end of the world. <laughs> no, no. So it's inter- interesting how you look back. I look back at my minor hockey career and. Obviously, in Loy, there was, you know, there wasn't a lot of opportunity. Um, you just played where you were and you just had fun and did the best you could. So, do uh, do you remember anything about the Bantam draft at that time back then? Well, there wasn't a Bantam draft. There was um, you just got um, the Western League teams. Just they didn't card you; they protected you. They had protect pr- protection lists. Yeah, protection lists and. Uh, Jason Plandowski, Danny Hagarth, myself actually all went to a Regina Pats camp. I think that was after our second year Pee Wee, going into Bantam. But then I never got asked. They actually put me on defense, and I was a centerman at that point. You used to play center. Oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And Did you like the switch then, or do you miss playing forward? Well, I, play I mean, for, yeah, I know you Well, I play forward now. I'm back to my original position in uh, the Thursday Night Hockey League in, in Kelowna. <laughs> 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 and I'm a terrible forward now, terrible. But um, yeah, I think it helped me with with seeing the ice. Um, helped definitely my offensive skills playing forward and then moving to defense. Because I moved to defense in my uh, third year of bantam here in Lloyd. It, I played three years of bantam because they had adjusted the to- uh, ages then. Yeah. So it was just a lucky thing. We didn't have enough defensemen for. For an eva- uh, inter squad game in evaluations, and so they and they pushed you back to defense, and then all of a sudden you yeah. just stuck. Yeah, yeah. A guy named John John Stukert was my coach then, and and uh, he came after me after he's like, "You want to just play defense?" And so I actually played a little. I played half the year defense, and then Danny Hagarth played a little bit of defense that year too. We switched back and forth, back and forth. But then after that, I was defenseman from from then on. And did you uh, did you miss playing forward? Or have you always enjoyed defense? 
No, you know what? I figured out I was a bigger, a better skater backwards than I was forwards. So it was just a natural fit, and I could see the ice really well. And um, not to mention, you'd have a hundred foot reach. <laughs> well, I did after I grew all those inches. Yeah, well, yeah, true, true. Yeah, yeah. but um, yeah, you know, I, I, I kind of when I was on forward, I was yeah, I just wasn't the fastest skating, fastest forward skating guy, but backwards I could skate really, really well. And, and always my, um, my, my best attribute was reading, reading plays and seeing the ice. And, and I just, just kind of realized that when I moved on defense. So I got to ask then, where does U of A come? I was saying to you off air, I've heard this story forever that you went from playing rec hockey and all of a sudden you're playing for the golden bears. Yeah. Is that any remotely true? That is true. Yeah. Um, so my last, so, so after my first year midget, I tried out for the Blazers, um, got cut, went back, played midget, midget here in Lloyd. Um, but I was, had already graduated high school cause I was, uh, 1970, I was ge- born January 3rd, 1971, but I went to school with all the 1970s. So I graduated high school and I had one more year of midget and uh, my parents had me on a scholarship program. They'd been putting in since I was a kid and I could take one year off of of high school but then I'd have to join a secondary school to um, to get that scholarship money uh, a college or a university and so after my second year midget I only had one offer from Brandon it was and I don't know how I don't think it was all that serious of an offer to come to training camp and uh, Lloyd was asking me to come play for them but um, I didn't want to don't want to miss out on this money. And so I just decided, you know, I'm just going to go to university and and, bring, by, and quit hockey, actually. And by money, you mean what your parents have been saving for you? Yeah, they were putting me on, like, on a scholarship. I ended up being probably, I don't know, close to ten grand, I would think. Yeah. So so I just uh, quit hockey, um, went to U of A, and um, took a ice hockey class. I was going into education, going to become a teacher in my phys ed program. You had, to, you had to take activ- activity courses to learn how to um, teach kids sports, right? Volleyball, Absolutely, basketball, yeah. all different uh, activities, and ice hockey was one of them. So I figured I was going to miss hockey a bit, so I, I took this course and uh, started skating in the course. And then I realized I, I was really missing hockey, really. I wanted to play some more. So Billy Morris, who was the coach of the Golden Bears that, that year, he, um, he was the instructor, and I asked him, if there was a place I could play. And he's like, well, there's the Short Park Crusaders, there's Fort Saskatchewan, there's St. Albert, St. Albert team. And uh, I said, well, I, don't ha- I didn't have a car. I lived right across the street from campus at that, at that time and didn't have a vehicle. And so I told him that, and he's like, well, I got this Junior B guy's name and had this uh, Willie Rollman's name, business card, gave it to me. Took it home. I called up Willie and said, "Hey, you know, I'd like to come out and try out for your team, uh, but I don't have a vehicle. I, if somebody come pick me up." And one of the players picked me up and went to went to the first uh, evaluation. And I was it was obvious to me I was going to make the team. I was I mean I was a pretty good player, and but I, I needed a car, so my roommate was Jody Pollard, who had had to take the year off because because of his neck. But the doctors gave him a clear bill of health and I said let's go play in this on this team so we did and uh we ended up having an unbelievable junior b team like there was probably 
probably could have been three or three to five guys should have been playing in the Western League that year, and probably another, you know, could have been six to eight guys playing, could have been playing junior A. But we were all going to university, and they were all, actually all these guys were buddies. And there was a few guys from out of town. We just joined this team, and you know, we, we just cleaned up our whole, the whole year we cleaned up on all the other junior B teams in Edmonton. Unfortunately, we went to provincials, and we lost in the semifinal. We were just weren't all that in great a shape because we didn't take it very seriously. And uh, Jody always bugs me that it was my fault because I gave the puck away in, <laughs> in the semis. <laughs> and they tied it up with, I don't know, 10 seconds left or something, and they won in overtime. I think it was, I can't remember the team. I didn't, yeah, I'm not sure who the team was. But uh, then after that year, uh, Billy, Billy says, you know, you should, come try out and he actually asked if quite a few guys on that team to come try out and me and another guy named a guy named Scott McDonald we actually made the Bears from that team from junior B yeah a little far cry from rec hockey yeah yeah it was junior B um but it was you know back then you know it wasn't just western league teams that CIS uh teams scouted it was yep. junior A and obviously this junior B team so so I made the Bears uh, as an eighth defenseman and played 10 games that year and just pretty much practiced with the team and that was a huge experience I mean just getting stronger I mean like I said I was really tall and thin and didn't have a lot of strength and just practicing with a high Elite level caliber. yeah high level team like that and um working out the, that summer guy Ian Herbers took me under his wing and we worked out all, all summer and um the next year, I was top four defenseman, and uh, we ended up winning the national championship that year. And then Tampa drafted me in the supplemental draft. Way too fast. Oh, no, sorry. You just, yeah, we, just, <laughs> we just won a national championship. Yeah, yeah. No big deal. Let's talk about the national championship because that I mean, U of A now wins it quite often, but back then, I mean, they were winning them, but not uh, no, not not the like first, they are now. That yeah. was the first one in a few years, anyways. It was. It was actually. Yeah, I forgot about that. I mean, they had a real powerhouse team back when Randy Gregg was was on that on the team. They won a whole bunch in a row. And then I can't remember when they won. It was. A f it had been a few years since they'd won a national championship. And um, the Calgary um, UFC Dinosaurs were really strong that year. They had a lot of Western League guys. Um, U, U of R Regina had a really strong team. They had picked up a whole bunch of Regina Pats guys. And U of S always had a solid team, and so, but our team was unreal. We had, we had Ian Herbers went on a, coach with the Oilers went yeah. on for an NHL career. Got him Garth Premack, who was six three, and probably the most all round, best all round player on the team. He was drafted by, um, uh, Carol, um, Hartford, I think. And there was Serge Lejoie, who, was a real slick. Uh, offensive defense so he actually won the Canada West or Canada player of the year the next year for all of Canada oh wow and he was 6-1 and then we had another guy named Mike Moore he was 6-3 and and Stan Marple who was just a fire plug but he was probably the toughest guy of all of us and um, we just had this huge defense and it just uh, was a huge part of our why we won and then on 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 the fours line we just had a ton of skill and probably the best player in Canada at that time was a guy named Adam Morrison who who could have broke every record he wanted to he just if he felt like it he would do it and some days he's like ah I'll just 
passed everybody this game, but he it was he could score at will. So at that level, but um, yeah, we went on to we I think we beat the Dinos in a real real uh, tight series. Is always best of three, and I th- I'm pretty sure we we were down one game. The first game we lost. Second game we scored a tied up in the last minute, and then won in overtime. And then the third game, third game we won. I, I think fairly easily but I can't quite remember and then beat U of S in the final and then went to uh, and, uh, just to back you up there when you're playing U of S in the final is that a best uh three? best of three best so of three. do you go to U of S for a game no I always whoever has home ice advantage you play all three. all three games Friday Saturday so and did then. you guys have home ice advantage we did yeah and was the fans there just nuts it was or? it was nuts then it was crazy they the football team they would all come to the come to the games and they were chanting and the football guys and hot guys are pretty tight yeah and um i remember almost their whole team was there and they were just it was just crazy in there yeah it was a lot of fun was that your first taste of uh an environment like that oh for sure yeah absolutely yeah yeah it was neat it was neat they um you know they've always done a good job of uh, marketing their team there in edmonton and yeah it's just a great building it's a it's a great arena to to play in because when there's that many people and it gets real loud real fast so how many how many people would sit in that uh rink well i think they get around 2200 i think and 2200 going nuts yeah 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 lots of fun it doesn't take uh it doesn't have to be 20,000 to be loud those small little barns when they can just sit right on top you and you can hear every word coming those are the yeah. Usually the fun ones. Oh, big time. Yeah. yeah. As as in just like we see in Europe, right? When yeah. You probably play in a few barns like that too. And the Europe had the best chance I've yeah. ever heard. Oh, it's ever heard. Just crazy. Yeah. Yeah. But um yeah, then we went to we went to Toronto from there and we beat uh we had lost to Trois Rivières in the final the year before. And uh, so they were they were the favorites and we ended up beating them uh nine to one. In the, in in the semi game? in the semifinal we beat them nine one. Oh yeah, tournament. Yeah. Tournament. So that back then it was just uh, semifinal and final, two games. Two games. Two games. That was it. Yeah. So we beat Trarivier nine one. Nine one. I got the ninth goal. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> yeah. All counts on the stage. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, yeah, and then we beat um, uh, who did we beat? Oh, Acadia in the final. Acadia. Acadia in the final, uh, four to one. Was Morgan playing out there yet? Morgan was, uh, he was a, um, yeah, he didn't play. He was like a, a, he was an extra guy there. But he was know. on that He was Acadia on the team, team. yeah. Because the next year they win it then? They they beat us in the, in the semis and then went on to win. The next year? Yeah, it was the exact opposite. They beat us in the semis, they spanked us pretty badly. Well, how cool was that, uh, being at a tournament where you you know a guy that that you played with in minor hockey? Season? Yeah, yeah, it was neat, yeah. And, uh, you know, kind of we had kind of lost track of each other. And I knew he'd gone to, gone out east. And oh wait, you didn't have social media back then. Yeah, no, no media, <laughs> <laughs> no cell phones. Yeah, so we had kind of we hadn't talked to each other for a while. So yeah, it was really neat to see. Yeah, yeah. The, I don't think anyone. I have a hard time fathoming that now, not understanding where your buddy is, right? Because yeah. it's just it's so like he's right there. He's right there. Yeah. Anytime you want. Yeah. You anytime something big happens to you, everybody in the world knows now. That's right. Yeah. Which something has good things and oh, bad. Oh, it's good things. and bad. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so we uh, yeah, we had a great year. 
winning the national championship and uh the summer started and i didn't i heard rumblings that i might get picked in this supplemental draft it was back then it was a there was only the, the team. Supplemental draft only ran for like 12 years, right? And it yeah. ended right around the time you got picked. Yeah, just a few years after. It ran a few years after I, I got picked. And it was all, it was more for a college, it was a college draft. Yeah, right? And and, and it was because the guy named Adam all, Oates, you heard of Adam Oates? Yes. Uh, Oatesy and um, another guy got huge free agent deals coming out of college. And so they decided to, they better put this draft in to stop that. And all the teams used to pick. Um, they used to always have a pick or a few picks. So I think there was a few rounds of it. And then it just got dwindled down, dwindled down. And the year I got picked, there was only the teams that missed the playoffs got one pick. And that was it. So Why, why, why would it matter if teams got one pick or four picks? Like, why... Why do away with the supplemental draft? Because right now they're signing guys. Yeah, and it's right, right it's, at a, it's it's right a back to where thing. it used to be. Yeah, yeah. And there's lots of talent coming out of there. Absolutely. Yeah, they probably is better time now to do it than was back then. But um, who knows? They might bring it back. They're uh, they're trying to trying to limit limit costs and all these free agent guys and yeah. So, but yeah, for sure that's. There's I a lot more U.S. college guys coming out now than there was I read you were one of 11 guys to play out of the supplemental drafting system. You were one of 11 guys to make 100 games in the NHL. There's oh, really? only 11 of you. Hmm. And yeah, then dwindling talent is what it said is why they got rid of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting, hey? Now now look at the now look U.S. At college guys. It's just a well, and frenzy. On the, out of the 11, I mean, you got to be one of the top guys at 600-plus games. Yeah. Like that's a pretty dang good career in my books. Yeah, no, I didn't think that was gonna happen. <laughs> so, so what do you like? Uh, I highly doubt the supplement. Maybe I'm wrong, and you can. So you get past the actual entry draft. Were you even worried about the entry draft? Well, there was rumblings that I might get picked, but I never did. No. So were you like following it that year? Did you have a party and watch the TV. No, no, there was none. There was none of that. No, there's none of that. No, it was just, you know, open up the newspaper the next day and see if who who got drafted, right? Yeah. And um and I never did. I never heard, you know. Did you have an agent at the time, Corey? Uh not at that time. No. No, not at that time. I got an agent uh the next like my sec my first I guess my second season with the Bears. Okay. I got, I got an agent, yeah. Yeah. So when the supplemental drafts going, now you got some rumblings that maybe you're going to get taken. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, I knew something was probably going to happen. Yeah. Um, I didn't know Tampa was going to pick me though. Um, I, I, th- I th- there was an, I can't remember who the other team was, but they had third pick I think, and thought they they might pick me, but but Tampa picked me. I get the um the head scout. He was telling me later that he went to to scout this Garth Premack, who is my defense partner, and he had gone to the national championship to scout Garth and saw me and. They picked me, so. What was the feeling like getting picked by Tampa Bay? Heck, getting picked to the NHL, let alone Tampa Bay. Well, kind of a funny story. <laughs> and Jody Pollard comes up in a lot of my stories. Him and I are pretty where, much where are you best friends. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> him and I were out on a on a little bit of a binge, a little little uh, bar bar hop in oh, the, the night okay. before, <laughs> and ended up at a house party, and and uh, we had to get home, so I ended up. 
he borrowed some he borrowed the guy's bike that we were at. I can't remember who whose house we were at, but he borrowed that guy's bike and I had Jody's bike and Jody's a lot shorter than me, so we biked home and and uh I woke my mom woke me up. I think it was about seven thirty or eight in the morning and and I wasn't feeling too good. <laughs> <laughs> and mom's like uh, there's somebody on the phone for you. I'm like, Who, who's that? You know, gruff, gruffle voice. And she's like, hey, it's Ta- Tampa. I'm like, what? So I get on the phone and it was uh, Tony Esposito. Tony Esposito, Tony Esposito calls Esposito. you the next yeah. morning. <laughs> yeah. And uh, he's like, hey, it's Tony Esposito. And we just picked you number one in the supplemental draft. And, you know, and I'm like, I'm like still hung over to the kills. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, that's great. I don't even know what I said, and I just said okay, thanks. And then I guess they probably said, "Oh, well, you know, we'll get get back to you and get some information from you." And uh, hung up with the phone. My mom's like, "What happened?" And I said, "Oh, I got drafted by Tampa." <laughs> and and she's like, "Well, that's oh, no way." She goes, "No, yeah, I'm, I'm going back to bed." <laughs> so I tried to go back to bed, but I couldn't sleep. I so, just I just lied there. I was pretty excited and got up and started calling the <laughs> started calling the guys and said, "Hey, let's uh, let's meet. Hey, at let's the, tie on another one. Let's meet at the wayside at noon." <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so what, what was the, what was the old wayside bar there? The oil pad? What's it called? I can't remember what it was called. I don't know. You're. I need somebody sitting you. beside me. There was some, there were some there were some girls dancing there. Yes, uh, yeah, I, yes. Yeah. So that was the In only the place. Back there. Yeah, that was the only place that was I think open at that time and seemed like a logical place for guys to meet and, cel- and have a celebration. <laughs> Look up everybody in the phone book. Yeah, yeah. Just send out a group text. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So you celebrate it, but then then what happens? Do you do you start training for it? Do you go down to Tampa? Do you- oh, the, no, yeah, this is how, it's funny how the stories come out. So I, I'm in. Uh, so they're gonna invite me to uh, to the training camp, and uh, so I was in the summer. In the summer, I'm there. I'm working at the U of A hockey school, working out, getting ready for camp, because uh, you um, CIS guys can go to an NHL camp and they can come back. Unlike, okay. unlike a U.S. college kid. Unlike the NCAA. Yeah. And so uh, the doorbell rings, and I answer the door, and it's a UPS guy, or FedEx, and he's got a package for me. And and it's from Tampa. It's from Tampa Bay Lightning. And, and I'm like, oh, thanks. And he goes, well, it's 30 bucks. And I'm a, like, <laughs> I'm a college kid. I have zero, zero cash on me. I don't have a credit card, nothing. No, no tap? And no tap, no nothing. <laughs> and I'm looking at this guy, I'm like, well, what do you mean it's 30 bucks? He goes, well, it's COD. I've never been delivered anything. I didn't know it was COD. Well, what are you talking about? He's like, it's cash. You know, you got to pay me <laughs> for for the cost here. And uh, I didn't have 30 bucks on me. Didn't have 30 bucks. Nobody had 30 bucks. And I'm like, that's ridiculous. So what the hell So I sent it back. I said, I don't want it. Just send it back. So they they sent it back. You didn't take a look at what it was. <laughs> I think it was a jersey. It was a Tampa Lightning jersey for being drafted. <laughs> and I just sent it back because I, I couldn't pay for it. So I had no, you know, I had no options in my head. I'm just a dumb college kid. I didn't know I I could come back and pick it up later or whatever. <laughs> and uh, I remember. The head scout called me a few weeks later. He's like, "Hey, how are things going?" And I said, "Yeah, they tried. Co- they tried sending a, a box to me. I couldn't pay for it, so I sent it back." 
And he started laughing on the phone. He goes, oh, those cheap bastards, they, they sent you something COD? And I'm like, yeah. So he, that was the end of it. Never heard the end of this. Never heard what happened or nobody ever talked about it again. Did you get the jersey at least at some no. point? No. Well, I got a jersey. Got but a it wasn't, jersey, but yeah. not that jersey. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then, and then, you know, that was Tampa's first year in the league. In the league, yeah. In the league, yeah. yeah so, expansion year. Yeah. And so they were going to have me in the training camp. But then they realized that I was going, I told them I was going back to, to U of A to finish up my last year. And so right at the last minute, I think it was like a week before I was supposed to leave. They just said, you know what, we're just going to, you know, we'll just forget about training camp. We'll just come watch you and, and keep an eye on you during the year and uh, see you next year kind of thing. So, so that's what, that's what happened. So you go and finish your U of A career. Yeah. And then it's the following summer that you head down south to your first training camp with the Tampa Bay Lightning. Well, so after my... Can I just, before we move on from... I, I love the names, because you get to play a couple of games with these guys after your U of A year, right? Yeah, so at the end of my end of my year at U of A, they wanted me to come play, go to Atlanta and play with their farm team. Yes. Uh, yes. The Atlanta Knights. The Atlanta Knights, And yes. I signed a 25-game tryout that's kind of what they do what well, did back then and i think they still do that actually and so i went to all my teachers um right at the end of march and said hey like i'm turning professional and i need to move my exams um to june and they're like yeah absolutely you know just defer our exams so i got all that done but i was taking this this gymnastics class uh, i was saying i had to take these activity courses <laughs> so here's a six five skinny Skinny hockey player taking gymnastics. Well, it's just terrible. Just terrible. Couldn't do the splits. Couldn't do a headstand. <laughs> nothing. And I had to do a, a high uh, a high bar swing to get a four, to get a passing grade, a 50% grade. And I said to, the, said to the instructor, I said, I'm leaving for Atlanta tomorrow. I have to do this high bar swing. You and, and then I can, you know, then I've got my four and I can leave. So he got me on there, did the high bar swing, and I don't even know if I did it properly, but he said, yeah, it's good enough. And gave Carry me a, on. Gave, gave me a check mark, and I was gone to Atlanta the next day. People pay a lot of money probably to see those videos of you <laughs> trying to do all that gymnastics. Oh, man, it was terrible. <laughs> Just terrible. I was laughing. I looked up the, the inaugural Tampa Bay Lightning team, and the names that I saw on it are, are just awesome. Peter Klima. Uh, Bob Beers. Yeah. Uh, Darren Poopa. Mark Bergevin. Yeah. Roman Hammerlick. Yeah. I mean, I got the entire list here, but I those, got stories. Of all those guys. <laughs> like Bob Beers, they, they. I mean, one of you've probably heard that where they go get some Kelly Buck burgers and Bob Beers. Yeah, like yeah. That little. <laughs> exactly. And I'm like, Bob Beers must play back in the '70s, right? Like, I don't remember Bob Beers. He actually still, does the uh, color for the Bruins. Does he really? Yeah. Yeah, he he had been. I, I'm pretty sure he still he does. He probably it. is. I think he does the radio or the TV for the. Well, for the needless to say, I had no idea he was still in the league when you were in there. I started yeah. looking into this. I'm like, Bob Beers still played? Like, are you kidding me? Yeah, 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 yeah. Pretty solid defenseman, actually. Yeah. Yeah. With the greatest name. In yeah, the league, exactly. Right? Yeah, like, going for some beers of beers. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So, what was it like going to your first training camp down there, or actually your first games? Because you signed twenty-five games. Yeah, trial. so I, I played uh, five. Um, what did I play? Maybe around ten games with Atlanta to finish the year off, and 
you know, they already had an established team. We went in the playoffs, and uh, I didn't play in the playoffs at all. Just watched and practiced, and uh, we ended up losing, I think, in the second round. And that was it. Was you know, just kind of just some good experience for good me. Experience? Did you did you see a noticeable difference in the game coming from CIS going to? Oh, for sure, for sure. Um, well, I remember I, I traveled down to Phoenix. This is kind of another funny, cheap, uh, didn't have any money story. <laughs> I flew into Phoenix thinking that somebody was from the light uh, from the Knights was going to be there to pick me up at the airport, and they had sent me an itinerary, and uh, they had faxed the itinerary to me, and I didn't really, I didn't know. I just left it. I was like, yeah, okay, I know they'll be at. They're supposed to practice this time. I'll just get to the rink when I land, and and uh, off we go, right? So I land. There's nobody there. There's nobody there to pick me up, and I have, I have just enough money on me to get a cab and I wait because I think they might be late so I wait for a while nobody shows up so I'm like well go to the rink get a cab go to the rink spend all the money all the cash I have to get to the rink and they're not there and the, the rink is empty and so I'm talking to the the rink guy and I'm like hey where's the nights and he's like oh they canceled their ice and they're having a golf day and I'm like oh I gotta get to the hotel and um guy named Jim Thompson and Phil Croak, they were playing in the, with the Phoenix team, and they came out, and they saw me standing there. And they're like, oh, what's going on? And so I introduced myself, and Jim was an Edmonton guy, so he had heard of me, and I said, oh, yeah, let's, you know, we'll, we'll take you to the hotel. So they took me to the hotel, and, and I got set up in the room and waited for the, the night guys to come back. And so, so I was almost stranded at the rink with no money. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I saw I saw Phil Crow years years later, and I said, "Phil, you, I owe you big time." You saved my bacon. Yeah, exactly. So we had a good laugh about that, and um, yeah, but it was noticeably guys stronger, guys were bigger, faster. It was it was it was very noticeable, and I knew I had to work real hard that summer to to get up to speed to that level. So, so. what did you do that summer in particular uh, when you came back? Was it uh, did you? Stay in Edmonton yep. uh, training? Yeah, I just stayed in Edmonton. Again, I worked at the hockey school for money, and um, Ian, Herbers, Ian Herbers took me under his wing, and he was turning pro there too. He was, he was, um, he was playing in Edmonton yeah. with the, uh, their farm team. He just took me under his wing and said, hey, look, we're doing this, and we just trained all summer and uh, skated with a lot of the NHL guys there, um, conditioning camps, and just getting ready, just like guys do now. So... Um, enough I went to uh, train uh, training camp that after after a tough summer of working out you know so is this year you make the Tampa Bay Lightning then so no I um, I got cut I, I had a real good training camp uh, Manon Riom was was playing that I scored two goals on Manon Riom and I ended up being one of the top scoring defensemen in the inner squad games I kind of thank Manon for that because I scored a couple goals on her probably wouldn't have gone in on any other but any other goalies there but um Got got recognized like yeah. they're like oh who's this guy like I came out of nowhere right and got in a couple exhibition games didn't play very poorly the first game was super nervous and then the second game played okay but it was just obvious I wasn't ready um, and and I got sent down to back to Atlanta so I got I gotta ask what was and I don't know maybe you can tell me what what is a fonder memory the first exhibition game you had or, or was it more serious when it was the first regular season game you get called up to? 
Yeah, well, I remember the first regular season game way more than the first than exhibition game. Than the first game. exhibition game? Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember too much about the exhibition game. Um, so, yeah, it wasn't real all that eventful. I was just, you know, when you're when you're in that, you go, you're probably having you too. Like you go somewhere and it's just a, a, a haze. Like you're just like, it happens, things happen, and then you look back like, what just happened? Like, you know, you don't even have, like, you're just like, wow, that just went by and gone and didn't really even have any time to soak it in right so yeah it was kind of one of those experiences um but then so i went yeah i went to atlanta and that was my first real taste of pro hockey you know a full season um of pro hockey and and it wasn't a it didn't go well like i um the coach wasn't a big fan of mine a guy named gene ubriaco was a real old school coach and he wanted me fighting you know he wanted me you know I was just kind of feeling myself I, I I look back I'm like I was just feeling myself out I I didn't know what to expect um homesick for sure like first time I was ever away huge city millions of people Atlanta and um didn't really you know didn't know anybody on the team obviously and just it just things weren't, weren't going very well and I found out that um there was myself, Jason Ruff, and Eric Sharon. We were Tampa's three, three main prospects. And Gene wasn't playing any of us. He was sitting us out, or we were, we were playing sparingly. And he was lying to the Lightning. He had been telling them that we had been playing, and he was trying to promote these other guys. And they found out, and they fired him. We were, f- we were, uh, we were number one in the league, and they fired him and about halfway through the year and they brought on a guy named John Paris Jr. and uh, first black uh, hockey coach professional hockey coach really yeah and they brought him on and told him that hey you got to play these guys so he started so he started playing us and um you know and then things started going a lot better um and then Eric Eric uh, Sharon got called up for five games, there, so in their last ten games, they called out him up for five, and then the last five games, they called up myself and Jason Ruff. And uh, like I said, the first game was memorable for me. Uh, playing against Pittsburgh was was my first game. So who would have been on the other side against for me? So this was the year they just they just lo- uh, had got uh, upset by Tampa. They were they had won two years prior the Stanley Cup, and they got upset or they got upset by the Islanders. Sorry. David Volex had scored. I don't remember a long time ago. It's a long time ago. Islanders upset them in in a game seven, and uh, but they had Lemieux, Francis, Yager, S- Yager, Stevens, Rob Brown, um, Larry Murphy. Yeah, like, holy they, crap! It, it was their Stan- it was their Tommy Stan- Brasso on that. He might have been playing. Yeah, it yeah. was their Stanley Cup team, right? Yeah. And um, I remember Wayne Cashman was our D, D coach and. I was playing with a guy named Sean Chambers, another, I think he was drafted in the Southern draft. And uh, he said, you guys are playing uh, Yager, Francis, and and Joey Mullen. <laughs> That's who you're playing against tonight. <laughs> I was like, holy shit. <laughs> so I remember stretching, stretching. I was just staring at them. I'm like, wow, are you kidding me? <laughs> like, I, I am here. And uh, my very first shift, I crushed Joey Mullen with one of the best body checks I threw all my whole career. He was coming down my right side, and and I just stepped into him and just crushed him, just labeled him, and uh, and then my second shift I got scored on. <laughs> 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 so 
so I went from having a great first shift to the second. It wasn't my guy, but I always say that wasn't my guy, and I have I have video evidence it wasn't my guy. But uh, they tend tic tac toe. There was like three bit behind the back passes, and in the net, and I was minus one after two shifts in the NHL. <laughs> and um, yeah, but I went on. I played really well. I played really well those five games and. Where was your first game at? Was it at home? It was in Pittsburgh. It was in so Pittsburgh. So we were all on the road. We went Pittsburgh, Buffalo, Toronto, Montreal, all those old rinks. Yeah. And then back to Tampa for, for, the, for, for the, the season finale. For the season finale. So what was it like sitting on the bench or trying to cover guys like, like well, Francis, Yager, Mullen, Yeah, I mean, you just you just – I mean, I – Fortunately, I was big and I, I I could skate pretty well back then, and um, you know so that wasn't the, I just used that to my advantage, right? And good positioning and and just hope they hope you got in the way of their passes and got your body in front of them and hauled them down and hooked and held and yeah, a little all different that, game than all now, that eh? stuff went was okay. So that was that was right up my alley. I was actually watching highlights today of when you were playing in Toronto against Ottawa oh, in yeah, yeah, yeah. 2001. Yeah, yeah. And some of the stuff the refs let go back then <laughs> is awesome, right? Like, it just, it's such a different game now. Yeah, it was totally different. Totally different. Big guys ruled the game back then, right? Yeah, and yeah. now you can't, uh, well, you can't do half the stuff you guys did. Yeah, exactly. What do you think about the game now compared to when you played? Do you think it's better? It is better. I mean, the talent is... Well, you can't argue with the talent. Talent's unbelievable. It's kids now are just so talented. It's crazy. Um, I sometimes think it's too fast. I think it's too fast for some fans to watch, um, follow the puck, especially on TV. Um, but I mean, it, it's just it's entertaining. Um, yeah, they have to tweak some of the stuff, like the stuff we saw in the playoffs, and, and they have to they have to they have to figure things out where what kind of team is you're trying to build, right? kind of and um i heard the guy on the a guy on the radio say you know you, you're 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 building your team for the regular season so you make the playoffs so you have skill you have fast skill guys and then the playoffs come and the referees seem like they change the way they call the game and and as you saw in the finals big strong big yep. strong defensemen all changes you know physical forwards it totally changed from the regular season regular season you hardly see any hitting and then all of a sudden the playoffs are just, and then they don't call that stuff, right? So they got to, they somehow they got to figure that out on, you know, because GMs, teams, they don't know how to build their team. You know, how you, how you build a, the right team, right? So, yeah. But I mean, yeah, it's better now. Way better. <clears throat> There's so much talent in the game. Yeah. The amount of talent is ridiculous. But you got to play with, well, you got, you got to sit in your time, you played with Tampa for six. Then Toronto for three. Yeah. Then New York for a cup of coffee. Yeah, four months in New York. And then Edmonton for well, there was a, a stop at yeah, yeah. lockout. Uh, so, three years. They still call it a year. So okay, three so years three there. years there, and then Pittsburgh, Detroit. Yeah. And in that time, you get to play with like just amazing people. I play with a lot, a lot of Hall of Famers, yeah. and all those guys are going into the Hall of Fame now. It's pretty. It's pretty. It's really neat. Yeah. Really neat to see. Um, one of the guys I hope really gets in is Alexander McGillney. Yeah. Un- probably the most talented guy I played with. Like, and where did you play with him at? In Toronto. In Toronto. Yeah. Unbelievable skills. Like, ridiculous. And he 
and he was a real team guy. Like he adjusted his his game to fit teams. Like no, not a lot of people have given him credit for that. They just think he was just an offensive guy. I mean, he he would kill penalties. He would block shots. Like he he should be in the Hall of Fame. I I really think he's one of those guys that they're missing the boat on. But but um, you know the list is long. Matt Sundin, <coughs> Steve Eyes. I mean, just in that one. Time in Detroit, like all those guys, Lidstrom, Shanahan, Lidstrom, Lidstrom, Shanahan, Eiserman, Chelios. But you do play in New York. You get to play with Lindros when he's Messier. there. Messier, uh, Pittsburgh <laughs> with well Crosby and Lemieux was back at that point, was yeah. he not? Yeah, he he had he had quit um, before I got there. Oh, he quit before yeah. he got there. Yeah, yeah, like that's. Well, my <clears throat> excuse me, my first year with with. Um, Tampa, Denny Savard was the big guy there. Oh yeah, Denny Savard, right. So he was, uh, he was, you know, old Joe bucket still. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, that was my first dealing with the first superstar, right? Yeah, <clears throat> great guy, awesome guy. Did they? Uh, I, um, this is why you're on because I have no idea the inner workings of it. Did you have to do anything as a rookie, like buy dinner or? Did they put you through a couple of the paces as a rookie? Yeah, you have to buy dinner. That's the big thing in, in the NHL now is buying <clears throat> buying dinner for all the guys and whoever rookie that year, you know, put your money in. It's usually usually a five thousand limit. And um, yeah, you just guys pick anything they want, any wine to drink, anything they want <laughs> to drink. Remember, do you remember do you remember uh your year? Like, we were in Quebec City. Quebec City. Quebec City. And um, I got off lucky because Back then, the Canadian dollar wasn't very strong, so we were, <laughs> and there was there was a few of us there, and um, I, I remember a few of the guys were already full, so they they it was a short night for a few of the guys before they even got to dinner. So yeah, I, I got off lucky. I, th- I think I spent I don't know it was wasn't it was maybe a thousand dollars. How many? How ma- yeah, how many other rookies on that team, or do you remember how many were splitting with you? I think there was there was four or five of us. I oh, think. okay. Yeah, yeah. there was quite a few. Quite a few. Yeah. And that was an expand uh, second year in the league then. Yeah. Yeah. And what was it like? I mean, everybody looks at Vegas now and sees what they've done and were able to do. But back then, it took probably seven years, five years, six years until you guys were competitive. Yes. Uh, no, not that long. We made the playoffs in '96. '96. '96. So that yeah, was only three four or years. Four years. Four years. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we had a real, we had a good team. We had a really good team. Uh, great power play run by Peter Klima and Romer Hamerlick. Yeah. A guy named Brian Bradley, who was just a skilled guy as anybody, um, just was in the wrong era, right? He, he'd be an unbelievable player in the era right now. And those guys ran our power play. I mean, one-timers just galore from, from Peter and Roman, and those guys could shoot the puck. Peter probably one of the most pure goal scorers I've ever played with put a puck anywhere he wanted to easily yeah and uh so we had a top five power play there and then our penalty killing was top five as well oh wow yeah and um i i, I me and a guy named bill holder ran the charge there and um darren pupa was our goalie yeah. darren, darren pupa had a vesna trophy winning season he was um he was top three in the in the voting for vesna trophy that year unbelievable bad i had bad back though couldn't play all the games, but when he played, who was your uh, backup won. that year? Uh, J.C. Bergeron. So, um, yeah, um, things went south when J.C. was. His <laughs> <laughs> he didn't. We, we didn't get. He didn't get a lot of help from us. But uh, but Darren was so good. You know, Darren. 
Darren was just unbelievable. I've never seen a guy knock down so many pucks with a stick as a goalie. He would just stand there. He couldn't go down because his back was always sore. So in practice, he'd stand there and literally just knock all the pucks off, away with the stick. It was unbelievable. And, uh, yeah, so we had, I think we had, we had a kind of run like St. Louis did. We were, we were the second or third best team in the second half in 96 and made the playoffs and had a killer be killed series against the Flyers when they had the Legion of Doom and they were the number one team in the league. And going up against Lindros and Renberg and... Uh, Johnny LeClaire and they had Brindamore, oh, yeah. Joel Otto, Hextall and that. Um, what was that like? It was... Because uh, that's Lindros in his absolute heyday. Oh, I don't know. They didn't have... I can't remember the goal. It wasn't Hextall. It wasn't Hextall. I got to get that in, but... Lindros was unreal. He was, he was the best player in the league. Hardest player to play against um, when, he was, when he was back then. So strong, he could. When he got mad, he could hit you like through the through the boards. Yeah, he was. You couldn't stop him. And really hard working player. When I played against him in New York, or with him in New York, he was always shooting. He was always out on the ice half hour before anybody else was shooting pucks and doing things. Yeah, he was a real hard working guy. And uh, but our series was it was just vicious. It was just old old time hockey and. Uh, Guys were getting hurt left, right, and center, and it was a big reason why they didn't go on was was of that series. It was because of that series. They went and played Florida the next year, and now or the next series, and that was the year Florida went up, to the went to finals the finals with uh, Van Beesbrook. And That's met, right, yeah. And met uh, Colorado, wasn't it? Yeah, 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 exactly. So Florida beat them the next, second round. Yeah. So, but yeah, and uh, so we were real happy. You should have saw the people in Tampa when the playoffs started. So we had twenty. We played in the old, um, the old uh, baseball do- where they play baseball now. It's called the Thunderdome. Okay. Back then, twenty nine thousand people in our playoff game. Twenty nine thousand. Twenty nine thousand. Yeah, it was the uh, still holds the playoff record for attendance. Wow. Yeah, it was unreal. And was it just nuts in there? Just nuts. You can we uh, so we went up two games to one. Alexander Solovanov scored a overtime winner. You couldn't. You and I couldn't hear each other. We were talking or yelling at each other. It was so loud. It was unreal. And then people were lined up after the games or lined up. They had to put barricades there so people couldn't get. We could actually get to our cars. We probably had a 150-yard walk to our cars, just the way it was set up. And uh, l- the people were lined up down the fences, like looking for autographs and stuff. It was, it was crazy, crazy. That's something you don't hear up here. or I know, Well, I mean, in back then especially because yeah. the media coverage wouldn't have been no, nearly would, what it is that's now, right. right? Yeah, yeah. It was, uh, it was unbelievable. So here's a question then. You played in a lot of different places. Where has the best fans? And I know you're sitting in Alberta country and everybody wants to point to Edmonton and but where was the best place you played for fan support? Well, you know, it can't be Toronto. I mean, yeah, I think Toronto can't. was the best, you know, anywhere in Canada you went, you felt like Sorry you were... folks, I didn't mean to bring up Toronto. <laughs> okay? Anywhere you went in Canada, yeah. felt like you're in a home, home game, game, you yeah. know. There's nothing worse than watching going to an Oilers game. Yeah, yeah. And you get out cheered by the, the Maple Leafs. That's They're right. just everywhere. Yeah. Diehard fans, right? But they got the history with it too, right? Absolutely. You give 100 years to any team and Yeah. We're coming up on 100 years, isn't it? It's 100 years. Yeah, I think 19, so. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm not sure. It's right, We're close. Is if they aren't 100 years, it's some Toronto fan's going to be all over me here when yeah, this yeah. comes out. <laughs> because it's close. Yeah. 
Interesting. And you look at the Oilers, on the other hand, what are they, 40 years? 79? Yeah, 79. I think I played in the 75th. Yeah, it was the 75th anniversary of the Leafs when I played. So. And that was 99-2000? That was in, yeah, two, around 2000. So it's 2000, just shy of... Yeah. Just shy of 100 years. Yeah. There you go. We figured it That's out. That's right. Folks. Yeah, I remember that. Don't yeah. get too mad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, an unfortunate incident. That 75th anniversary, they um, they were announcing the top 75 players of Leaf history, I think, or top okay. 25. And unfortunately, uh, an older gentleman was representing his, his brother and passed away. He, he stepped on the ice. He was so excited. He had a heart attack right there. What? Yeah. Yeah, we were all standing on the blue line watching these guys come out and uh he had a hard t- he took one step on the ice and went down and uh the uh usher there were some couple usherettes there and they they grabbed him and they they were able to get him on back on the bench they're all coming through our bench and the dog the team doctors had been there to watch the the celebration and they were trying to resuscitate resuscitate this this gentleman and um they had to they had to, they had to keep going on with the with the ceremony. It was all black. Nobody noticed. Nobody knew what was going on other than the players and maybe some people that were right behind the bench because you couldn't see anything. Just a spotlight on the people, right? Just an unfortunate incident. Um, yeah, we yeah we almost had to can we almost canceled the game, but we 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 all we left the Bruins. Came, I think it was we were playing the Bruins, and they came on the ice and we told them what had happened, and then so we all went off the ice until they figure out what we should do and then when they decided okay well, let's keep playing so yeah just a terrible incident but but uh yeah holy man so but anyways back to the fans you know all all the all the original six teams you have diehard fans like the rangers detroit chicago chicago um the leafs montreal you know and you know edmonton's fans are right there they're diehards right they yep. want the best for their team and they want a winner, and you know they'll do anything it takes. And who is what was the most imposing building to go into? Like, what building was like? Ah, we're going into. Well, X back then, Philadelphia was it was pretty. I mean, they had a big, big, strong team, and and their fans. They were, didn't call it the Legion of Doom for nothing. No, and their fans were vicious, like vicious fans. Yeah, but. Uh, I had uh, I had uh, I forget who asked, but somebody wanted to know what was the best chirp you've ever heard on ice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know. That's a tough one. I don't know if I can think of that one off the top of my head. Well, we got time. Oh, man, there's a lot that I can't, can't repeat. Darcy Tucker had quite a few. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know if I can. I don't know. I can't remember. I, those those things, that I don't I don't remember. Yeah, sorry. Who was the who is the I don't know if it's best fighter or strongest fighter, but something along that lines. That you you didn't have to by no means did you have to scrap, but it when you went into somebody's building or maybe it was on your team, who was the toughest guy? Well, there was always a, there was always a handful of tough guys um that you just cuz that re- was back in the day of the You tough really guy. stayed away. I mean, I stayed away, you know, me being a big guy, there were like yeah, well, I'll take you on, but I was like, I was too scared to fight those guys. Well, <laughs> they who, were scary guys. Who, who would that? Tony Twist, you know, Sandy McCarthy's. Didn't you play with Sandy McCarthy? Yeah, in Tampa. In Tampa. Yeah, um, you know, Donald Brashear was back then. Um, 
uh, well, every team had a few guys. I just was Probert still playing back then? I think I might have played against Probert maybe in the start of my career. I can't really remember. How about Ty Domi? Ty Domi was super tough. George LaRock was maybe the toughest guy, though. Yeah, big George. Like, it was really lucky that people, he didn't get mad. When he got mad, he, I saw him only get mad twice, and he absolutely obliterated those two guys. Um, he was just so happy-go-lucky. Just yeah, whatever. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. yeah, but he he was he was the toughest guy I played with. You think it's a good thing that fighting's leaving the game? I think there's yeah, I, I think it is. Um, I, I I still like to see it though. I mean, it's um, I like I like the guys enforcing the game um, and controlling the game. Um, you know, I've played in a league that doesn't have fighting with, in the university. And the stick work and all that stuff, it just gets in the way. Yeah, everybody who has played college or university hockey always talks about all the stick work because yeah. there's no repercussion for That's it. right. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I do like a good fight. I still like a good fight. Still love watching it. Um, yeah. yeah, and it's it's just I, – I think it's part of the game, but, you know, not a lot of pe- – a lot of people are leaning the other way, so – well, now every now we're the complete bit opposite of the spectrum is we got social media covering twelve different angles of everything, right? Right. So anything bad that happens, whether it's a fight, <laughs> a stick, a hit to the head, anything, yeah. it just gets scrutinized so much now. Yeah. No, and you know it's you know you see guys get hurt in a fight. You never want to see a guy get hurt in a fight, but that's the risk of it, right? But Same you never guys. want to see anybody get hurt any period. Any, period. Yeah. And, and you. But it's a physical game. Yeah. You can't stop it. Yeah. I mean, it is, it is what it is. It's, this is the game, and you chose to play, and that's yeah. the risk you take, right? Yeah. I wanted to uh, – your last year in uh, Tampa, going back to your plan, I uh, I love the top couple names on it. You got Darcy Tucker, who you get to play with a few times. Yeah. And then number two on the scoring list was Wendell Clark. Yeah. What was Wendell Clark like? Awesome guy. One of the best guys. Just, uh, you know, he, he was just awesome. He came to our team, and obviously at the latter part of his career, and and I remember he was, I was still a young guy then, and he was always on the medical table, and I was giving him a hard time. And we, him and I joked about it years later. I was giving him a hard time. You're always on the medical table. He goes, uh, he just looked at me and said, you just wait. You just wait. Your turn's coming. And sure enough, when I got older, you know, I was on the medical table a lot, but um guy was just heart 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 and soul of the team back then and and he was just having fun like he was having fun then he realized his career was 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 dwindling and it was just it was just about having fun and he just had a great year he scored i think he i think he ended up scoring 30 goals that year and he he was our representative at the all-star game and uh he, i think we traded him to detroit and he finished up in detroit that year i think okay and um and then when I, and then uh, the next year, him and I played in Toronto together. In Toronto together, yeah. yeah. Well, a bunch of you guys from Tampa end up in Toronto. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know, it's funny how that worked, but um, Wendell's always been a, a, a true ambassador. Like he, he he does so much work in Toronto with the Leafs, and um, being an ambassador for that team and that community. I mean, he's just he's God there, and and it's no better guy to for kids to look up to than that guy. Just hardworking. And just salt of the earth, human being. So, how are we doing for time? Yeah, let me uh, let me just call Shannon. If that's yeah, okay. absolutely. We'll pause for a little bit. Uh, just so everybody's aware, we're gonna have to have a part two because Corey's got to leave us all here soon enough. So, 
<laughs> I'm putting the blame on you. Yeah, yeah. A tight schedule and I'm like... <laughs> um, a couple other names that I, I, uh, I have to throw out from your time in Tampa is Dino Cicerelli, Chris Gratton, Rick Tabaracci, Vincent LeCavier, and Bill Ranford. Now, those there's probably another 30 names for people or yeah, 60 yeah. names for people that they would say, but those names really stick out to me. Like Dino Cicerelli, he he would have been at the tail end of his career, I assume. Tail end of his career, yeah, for sure. He um, talk about a guy who can deflect a puck in front of the net yeah. and take a beating in front of that, like Ryan Smith, Craig Simpson, those guys. Yeah, Those guys were good, but Dino was the best. He, You could take... 20 shots as hard as you could and he would get a piece of 19 of them like he would or 20 like it was unbelievable how good he was at that and he was just you know this little italian and just just a fire plug and um yeah it was a lot of fun to, to, to watch him play um growing up watching him in minnesota when he played in minnesota like i had his hockey cards and, <laughs> and then and then detroit and um pain in the ass man he was a pain in the ass to play against but uh Great, great. Have a good teammate for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Did you ever, did you ever have the moment where you're a fanboy and some guy you sat down, you had to get his autograph? I, I, you know, I started that in my career. I was, I was getting autographs for guys who kind of had meant something to me, either playing with or, or, or had growing up watching and that. And like a guy named Gerard Gallant. Yeah. You know, he, he was, he was a big influence on me when I first came to Tampa the first year I was there. Kind of took me a little bit under his wing at training camp and got to know him a little bit. And um, so I got his autograph. And John Cullen, another guy who I played with in Tampa, he yeah. had a bout with cancer. Him and I became real good friends. Um, you know, when he got he got cancer halfway through the, the one year, you know, it was just crushing for the whole team. He was just a, such a, a like well-liked guy on the team. And when he got cancer th- during the year, it was crushing for all of us but you know fortunately he got got through it and and um so i got his autograph and then you know wendell's of course and i started picking up as my career was going i kind of you know i ended up being you know just the guys were guys like i was kind of starstruck at the start of my career but as i got later my career wasn't nearly so as no no I, i got a few jerseys collected yeah but um but that was about it, yeah. You know where we're going to do the second part of this? I'm going to tour out to your house. I saw a video of your, your uh, well, it's probably a couple of years ago. You must have had a guy come interview you. It's on YouTube. And yeah, I was yeah. watching it. Yeah. And your basement looks unreal with all the jerseys and everything hung. Yeah, well, that actually, my that's my workout room with the jerseys. Um, and then, yeah, we built a built a house there on the lake in, in on the Lake Okanagan. And, yeah. Um, I've, got a, I've got a suitcase of jerseys. And it's funny, I grew from Lloyd. I put a, when we had the golf tournament here, Wade and I, Yeah. I put in a thing, it was a uh, auction item, and go to go to Kelowna, party at my house, boat ride, um, golf, what, a little package, and, and one of the guys, I can't remember the guy's name, but he bought it, um, he's from out of town, but uh, he bought it, and they came out, and had him over to the house, and we took a boat ride down the lake, and came back and I pulled out all the Corey Cross jerseys all that I had and everybody 
there's probably about 10 of us there and we all put a jersey on and got this big group picture taken with it it was pretty yeah it was pretty pretty cool, pretty cool they, yeah. they thought it was pretty neat but i got this yeah i'm bringing a suitcase out every once in a while and just show the people whoever is show the company the, the jerseys and they're just like kidding me <laughs> but there's no there's not many places you can put them all no that's yeah, right yeah. that's right so um we were talking here when we took our little break we skipped over you winning a turner cup right so you play one year with atlanta and you guys win yeah yeah we like i said well that's when they fired uh the coach junior brack when they hired this john paris jr and we had a re- we had an awesome team we had a really good team and we went on um J.C. Bergeron was our number one guy, and he got hurt right at the end of the year. He got, actually, when him and I, him and I and Jason Ruffica got called up to Tampa, he got hurt in Tampa when he was up in Tampa. So our backup goalie, Mike, a guy named Mike Greenlay, who is a color guy for the Minnesota Wild now, okay, he he became our starting goalie. Well, he he's never played best hockey he's ever played in his life, and he won. We won four straight in the first series, four straight in the second series, and um, then we played Fort Wayne in the in the final. Where's, so Fort, th- where's Fort Wayne? Indiana. Indiana. Yeah. Okay. And uh, we ended up playing them. They had a real good team. Who would uh, Fort Wayne uh, be in the system for? Who would they be the farm uh, team uh, for? Um, geez, that's a good question. I think they're just an independent team. So the so in the IHL they had some independent teams like okay. Las Vegas Thunder. They're an independent team. I think so. Fort, where Fort Wayne was teams could all put different players. Yeah, on Yeah, they it? could sign their own players. Yeah, so they they weren't all owned by NHL guys like yeah. Atlanta. We had some independent players. Do they still do that? Uh, yeah, yeah. No, I mean they're still kind of yeah. They still those AHL teams will 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 sign a player to an AHL deal. Oh, to an AHL. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 yeah so they still do that. Um, a little more prevalent back then. The IHL had kind of branched off yeah. from the American League. Um, and then, yeah, we beat Fort Wayne in the first two games, went back to Fort Wayne. It was just a – it was a really tough building to play in. Lots of people or small Yeah, just rank? small rank and just a lot of energy. They had this, uh, they had this crazy guy, and I, oh, what was his name? He'll come to me. He was, he was, a, he was a colored guy. Man, oh, man, he was, he was the biggest man I've ever seen. Steve Steve something I thought it was coming but he was so scary you know he he was there was muscle on muscle in that guy and um, they'd play Welcome to the Jungle and it was just the place was just rocking it was just it was a rough city and they just loved the rough hockey and it was a small barn and we lost I think we lost the next game and then uh, so we were up 2-1 playing them in the in game four, and um, we were we were down, down a few goals going into the third. We tied it up, ended up going into the thir- third overtime. A guy named Steve LaRue scored, make it seven six, and that was his fourth fourth or fifth goal of the game or something. It was something crazy like that. And we ended up winning in six games, anyways. So, yeah, but it was uh, it was fun. I ended up separating my shoulder in the second last game of that uh, the final, so I didn't play in the final game. But uh, still, fun group of guys. Uh, great. We had a really good team. And um, a lot, not a lot of those guys went on to have NHL careers either. They just really came together. And for whatever reasons, they, they just, you know, there was, I was the guy that had the longest career. And, um, yeah, we're having our 25th uh, year reunion this, this uh, I think, October. 
we're all getting back in Atlanta. I think back in Atlanta, they're just trying to finalize the the details. Yeah, so so that'll be that'll be fun to go back there. Yeah, absolutely. See some of those guys. I haven't I haven't seen some of those guys since since we played. So it'll be be interesting to see what they're all doing now. And win, right? Like like all that together will be yeah, a it was, lot of fun. It was neat. I mean, hockey in Atlanta back then was was just a dot. Like you know, it was a basketball and football town, right? And so did you, did you get lots of people out for the finals then? Yeah, we sold out. So we played in the old Omni, and we it was sold out. How um, many fans are you talking in? Yeah, seventeen thousand. Yeah, it was a, it was a big old barn. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it was funny because the guys that that ran Atlanta the nights then were circus guys. They they owned a circus, so they put a real show on. Like Absolutely. it was it was kind of the start of the of the entertainment that you see now in the in the um state in the states at the, all the games. So these guys were the kind of the first guys to do it because they had to get people out to the games and entertainment was their business with the circus. So they they did all these gimmicks. It was it was quite funny. They were, I remember two people got married. Um, they they brought in Claude the the trumpeter. Remember Claude the trumpeter, the Quebec. He he's from Quebec, and <laughs> they hired him for the playoffs. I'm gonna look him up after this. They, they hired him in the playoffs, and he would. And that's what he does. He he actually tours around with the alumni hockey team now and entertains the fans. But back then he was a he was a hired gun, and you hired him to entertain the fans. And, and so what would he do? Just he he'd play the trumpet through the games, and, and a real funny story. So he would play the trumpet. At the, he'd come on the concourse. First, first whistle would go of the game, and he'd come on the concourse and he'd play, he'd get his trumpet, go, dun dun dun, and everybody yell charge, and he'd run down, down to the glass level, run up and smash his shoulder in the glass, and everybody would go crazy, and then he'd start playing the trumpet, and he would hang on the on the glass upside down, playing the trumpet, did a whole bunch of crazy things. He was a crazy French guy, and um, so he was a big part of our. Everybody loved him. I mean, and it energized the fans. Fans just loved them. They were coming to the games probably more to more see to him. More to see him, yeah. And um, so we're in the game six in the final, and we get this, and he comes running down, and he goes to put his shoulder in the glass, and the glass gives away. And he lands, <laughs> he lands on his head. He lands on his head on the ice. <laughs> and and, uh, and when the guys were lined up for the faceoff, and it happened just behind them. And they turn around, and he's lying on the ice like he's knocked out, and he's on the ice. So EMS guys come out, and they have to put him on a backboard. And they take him off the ice. They stop the play. And uh, a buddy of mine, Wade Gartner, who lives here in town, yeah, no he, way. he yeah. was he was at the game. He traveled down to watch our final final <laughs> game. And, uh, oh, my, it, it was, you know, unfortunately, the thing was so funny. So they cart him off, and... We go on, we're playing, and I'm not, like I said, I wasn't playing that game because I was hurt. So Wade and I are just sitting in the stands watching. And right at, we're, we're, up, we're up two or three goals in the third period. We're going we're gonna to win the game. We were dominating the game. And like five minutes left, you hear this, dun-na, dun-na, and we look up, and there's this Claude the Trumpeter, and he's got a neck brace on. <laughs> he's got a neck brace on around, around his neck. And, uh, and he's, he's, he runs, kind of slowly runs down the stairs. And he goes to throw his shoulder in the glass, and he stops, and he puts his finger on it, just touches it, while the place erupts, just <laughs> goes nuts, and we were dying laughing, and oh, and then he just had the, it was unbelievable how loud that rink was for the last five minutes, like because he just kept playing, and people were just going crazy. It was it was so much fun, and then we were out that night, 
out that night at a bar just drinking and he's out with us and he's probably on every painkiller and <laughs> knowing the man and he's just having a good old time and he's got his neck brace off and he's not feeling the thing <laughs> and Wade and I were just dying laughing that's awesome <laughs> Yeah, and years later, I ran into him at an NHL alumni game, and I said, remember that time? And he's like, yeah. And I said, I was playing in that game, and he, his mouth just dropped, and we had a good chuckle about it. <laughs> but Atlanta did a great job of entertaining guys and entertaining the fans and kind of led the led the way for how, how the games are run down in the States now as a entertainment. All the, uh, the young kids who play in the dub right now, they all talk about how the best fans in the dub are in the States. Yeah. Yeah, no, they just, I mean, they're there, they, they're just loud, you know, American fans are just loud, they, you know, it's always been the criticism of Canadian fans are too, they're too into the game, like they're, you know, they're all, they're all analyzing the plays, right, they're all thinking, not just going out and having a good time, you know, it's a little more serious up here, and. So maybe you can answer my age-old question I ask everybody, because this has been one as fans we've always asked, would you rather go to the games in your shorts? Playing in Tampa or showing up to the hockey hotbed of the world, Toronto? Now, uh, you, now in I've Toronto, done both. Yes, I've done you both. have. Um, and Tampa was, was pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, I, I when I see guys signing for for the same money down south, I know why. I know why. Your body doesn't hurt. It's so much easier to play down there. Like, man, my body hurt. I didn't have any hurts in Tampa, like body felt great all the time. It's warm. Your body's always flexible. You come up to Toronto, Edmonton, cold weather. You're just, you know, you're just stiff all the time. I mean, there's a reason why the older, older generations go down south. It's it's totally true. And um, yeah, so it doesn't surprise me when guys guys leave the cold weather. I mean, it is nice to play in a hockey hotbed, but now you're going down. To Tampa, I mean that that fan experience they have down there is maybe one of the best in the league. They they do a great job for the fans, and they have a great team. And and well, they have arguably one of the best yeah, teams right now. Yeah, exactly. And you know, in you know California, they got good teams. Dallas got a great team again. Yeah, so it's pretty easy to get guys to go down there and play when when you got a little bit of both, right? Uh, curious with all the teams you've played for is. Does Tampa like hold a special place in your heart because they were the first team, they're the team that drafted in the supplemental, that kind of thing, or was there a different place where they kind of won you over and you never wanted to leave? Yeah, no, Tampa. Tampa definitely holds a special part of, of my heart. I, I love going back there. I've been able to go back there a few times. Um, used to have a condo down just south of Florida, in uh, south of Tampa, sorry, and so went, been there lots actually, and taking my kids to those games. You know, this is kind of, you know, this is where, where I started playing, and it's, it's pretty special. Uh, Toronto, Toronto is still, I love going back. I, I always thought I was going to retire in Toronto. I thought I was going to live there. Um, but, uh, yeah, going back to Toronto is really special. We had a really good team back then. Fans were great. Um, you know, some of the best hockey I played was in Tampa and Toronto. And, um, yeah, both those, both those cities are pretty special to me. Well, I don't want to get into Toronto because if we get into Toronto, we're going to be here another hour. Because you get, you played with some legendary players there. You had some legendary series. I remember watching those as kid, as a kid. Yeah. 
But I was curious, maybe in 97, you go over to, uh, actually, I'm not sure where you go to. Helsinki. Is it Helsinki there? Yeah, year? well, I was in Finland. We went up, Team Canada went to Turku. Yeah, <clears throat> Turku, Finland. And so after the regular season's done, you get selected? Or how does that work? Yeah, so. And I'm talking the World Cup of Hockey, or World. Yeah, World Championship. Championship. World Championship, yeah. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, 97, I had, you know, I had established myself as a top top four uh, defenseman in the NHL in, in, yeah. in Tampa, and not having a lot of media back then. You know, nobody really knew who I was, um, but I killed all the penalties. Me and a guy named Bill Holder, like we would kill almost two minutes of every penalty, and um, Terry Crisp wouldn't even bring us off the ice. We'd just go back out there. How was Terry Crisp? Yeah, he was interesting. <laughs> Fiery, very fiery, yeah, <laughs> redhead. <laughs> but really good to me. He was really good to me. Um, yeah, he, he, yeah, he loved me. He loved, he loved how I killed penalties and yeah, and played the heck out of me. So it was good. And um, yeah, that year, that year was Hartford's last season, and we we played in Hartford's last game. So that's a funny story too. <laughs> played in Hartford. Played against Hartford in Hartford, the very last game of the Hartford Whalers. The brass bonanza. The brass bonanza. <laughs> so we were we were thinking it was going to be the last. You know, it was between there was between them, us, and Montreal for the, the last playoff spot. And uh, Montreal, Montreal won the game the night before. We were both out, so we're at the bar. So we fly into Hartford. We all go to the bar to watch the game. Montreal ends up winning, so it eliminates both Hartford and us. So the next game is 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 a nothing game. Nothing game. Yep. And uh, we decided to have a few more pops than we should have. <laughs> and my roommate back then was a guy named Sean Burr. And uh, he had quite a few pops. And uh, <laughs> we had a 1 o'clock game. And we woke up at 9 for pregame. Had to shake him awake. Went down, had a, had breakfast. Come back up. We both went back to bed. Slept up for another hour. Got up, walked across the street to the, to the mall to go play, uh, play the game. And uh, Sean, Sean has uh, a whole bunch of guys had had bonuses, right? Back then, lots of guys had bonuses in their contracts. Dino needed one goal for for uh, a, a big a big bonus, so he had curved a stick like a boomerang, and <laughs> and he didn't even do any. And he wrote on Sean Burke was the Hartford Whaler goalie, and he wrote on there one goal equals five hundred bucks, Berkey, and. Uh, all he did the whole warm up was skate back and forth on red line, showing Sean Burke his stick. <laughs> <laughs> so Berkey got the message right, and uh, and Sean was telling me the night before, he's like, "Okay, I'm I'm, pl- I'm plus eleven. I gotta be, I can't be lower than plus ten, or I'm not gonna get this bonus." I'm like, "Okay, you know, didn't really think anything of it at that time." First period goes off, he's minus one. They score, he's minus one. So. And the guys are guys are hungover. Like, it was such a bad game. Like nobody wanted to play, right? And um, we start the first second period, and there's an old time where you you you, you skate on the ice, you do do a few laps, and then you go back to your bench, right? The whole team. And so we come on the ice. Hartford's coming on the ice. We do some laps, and then we're crisscrossing again and go back to our benches. And Jason Musati was the backup goalie for Hartford. Well, Sean suckers Musati, just punches him right in the face and starts a melee and guys are like jumping in and Stu Grimson's on the Whalers then and he's like what's going on and and nobody knew what was going on and 
Burzy gets kicked out of the game. So, because he 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 couldn't be another minus. He didn't want to be another minus. Because <laughs> he would lo- he would have lost his bonus. <laughs> See, and he was so hungover he couldn't play. Like, he was so bad. So so he skates off the ice, just a big just big smile on his face, laughing, and I'm just like, what a beauty, what a beauty. So he ends up getting his bonus. Uh, Dino Cicerelli, sure enough, gets puck in the slot, takes a shot, and Berkey, I'm sure he let it in, just gives a whiff job. Dino gets his bonus. And then word, word, word comes down to our bench <laughs> that Kevin Denis needs needs a goal for uh, for, for his bonus. Yep. And they're beating us by a goal, I think. It was 2-1 or something. And, and, uh, and the only guy that didn't understand the message was Roman because Roman didn't speak great, en- great English. <laughs> and uh, so... So we pull our goalie, his empty net, and Deneen's out there. He takes a shot while Hammer like dives in front of the and puck and knocks it down and keeps the play going. Then Deneen gets again, shoots it, hits the side of the net, misses. And we're like, Hammer, what are you doing? Like, Deneen needs a goal. Like, just let him score. What? what? You know, he doesn't understand. Right? <laughs> well, he ended up not scoring. Didn't get his bonus. And, uh, and that was it for the Hartford Waiters. They, uh, people were crying in the stands, and, and that, was, uh, that was the end of the brass bonanza in, in the mall in Hartford. So kind of an itch, kind of a fun, fun ending for, for us. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, the Chris Gratton, Rob Zomner got, got asked, uh, the coaches told them right after, Hey, your guys are going to team Canada. And, and, uh, so those, those are the two guys on our team that were going. And so back to Tampa, flew back to Tampa. I ended up having a team party at my place. And it was like uh, it was like five six days later that uh, Bobby Clark called me and uh, said, "Hey, do you want to? We want to come play for Team Canada." And uh, here are a bunch of guys that had said no, and you know they're just going down the list. And and my name popped up, Wayne Cashman. He was assistant coach and wanted me to come over. And so obviously I jumped at the chance. And did you jump through the roof? Oh, I was. So excited! I couldn't believe. Because that's your first time you to, up until this point in your career you've played put the Canadian jersey yeah, on, right? Exactly. You've never done it before. Never right? done it before. Yeah. yeah. So I, had f- so they were having training camp in in Winnipeg, and then we had a couple of exhibition games against the Americans, and uh, so I flew up, met the team there. Most of the team had been there already, because um, I was a late a late call, and uh, suited up right away. hadn't I hadn't skated. I think I maybe practiced once, but I'd been drinking and partying for the last four or five days. Like <laughs> I didn't know what, rusty. I didn't know what kind of shape I was going to be in. Why well, I ended up playing exceptionally well. And, uh, and like I said, nobody really knew who I was. The coaches didn't, some of the coaches didn't know who I was. Like Andy Murray was the, um, he was a Canadian national team coach. He wasn't right. an NHL coach. And, um, I, it cemented my, my spot in the top six, um, for the for the worlds uh, after those two games. So. Yeah, and you're playing on a team with well, your leading scorer of that tournament was Travis Green, but then it goes Owen Nolan, Jeff Friesen, Anson Carter, Rob Zamner, Keith Primo, Mark Recchi, Jeff Sanderson, Jerome Aginla, Chris Gratton, Rob Blake, Don Sweeney, and then a little farther down, Corey Cross, yeah. <laughs> Brian McCabe, Chris Pronger. Yeah, we had a we had a you know a lot of those guys had pretty good careers well once again you talk about how many guys are hall of famers yeah 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 you know world championships always one of those things where kind of they get the young guys right the young guys coming up and give them a a taste of it and see what they're all about and and that's what it was all about then 
And yeah, we just Sweden had a real good team. Um, William Nylander's uh, father was was the top uh, Swedish player that year. Uh, yeah, or he, back on that team. Yeah, he could. He was un, unreal in the European on the European ice. You know, he didn't have a great career over in, in North America, but on the European ice, nobody could hit him, and he could stick out on a phone booth. And and they beat us pretty handily the uh, round robin. And in this year, 97, in the finals, you guys play a best of three, don't best you? Best of three, yeah. yeah. They haven't done that in forever. Yeah, they keep they always change it. They always change the format. They're always changing it. They're always putting more teams in or less teams. Yeah, I don't know how why they keep changing the format all the time. Yeah, okay. But yeah, that just yeah, that year we had a round robin, and and then we end up playing Sweden in the final game, um, best of three. Yeah, and you lose game one. Lose game one. Yeah, and came back and and beat them the next two games. Yeah, and it was just uh, just a really close games. I don't remember too much about it. Just really close, fast paced, um, two exceptionally skilled teams. Um, it's just a different. It's different playing over there in those world championships, like we saw this year. You know, those teams get into a. a they've been playing the trap system there forever. Yeah. Because of the big ice and they just wait for a mistake and they there's not a whole lot of forechecking and stuff and. We had these crazy breakouts because they would just stand in the neutral zone, and you could hold and grab more so there than you could in the NHL. So we had this, you know, really big defense core. Steve Chason was another guy on that team. He was a big guy, and we would leave the we would uh, defense would get the puck by that leave, and um, you know we, they would just stand out at the blue line in the neutral zone. And we would leave the the two defensemen would leave the puck for the centerman. He'd get all the speed and, the and wind up, wind up. And the two D, we would just skate out, and we would just the first two guys we saw would just put their stick our stick between their legs, and just pretty much pick them up and just move them out of the way. And our centerman would just wheel through, and we get the zone every time. <laughs> like you couldn't do that anymore, right? Like no. it was just crazy how how they played. So that was a real eye opener. Refereeing was a real eye opener. Just not very good refereeing over in Europe. Um, no. No, just I just if you hit a guy too hard, it's a penalty. You know, it was there were some frustrating times for for the guys that gone had gone over first time over there. Um, but yeah, just yeah, we had a lot of fun those World Championships. There's a lot of a lot of male bonding, a lot of team bonding. Um, and the families families come over and uh, and then that ends the bonding. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, it's always a good time. I mean, there's 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 enough drinking in those world championships that. But it's it, you know the guys are serious about it. And they yeah, yeah, yeah. Get absolutely. ready for the games, yeah. but when it's free time, they they enjoy themselves for sure. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it was it was a great experience. Great what, experience. What was what was winning that like? Like, where does that rank winning? Oh, it was it was number one, number one highlight of my my career for sure. Was winning wearing yeah. wearing the maple. Leaf. Yeah, nothing like it. I remember putting it on for the first time and just. Couldn't, couldn't one couldn't believe it and just so excited and um yeah definitely definitely the highlight of my career yeah no doubt about it so well we only got a few minutes left because i know when we'd uh when you're talking to your wife we said around 5 40 we're yeah getting, we're getting close so there's a few questions that have been submitted before uh i came in today oh, okay and so i thought maybe we'd ram through those and and when you got to go you got to go okay sure so the first thing that that uh was asked me and we kind of talked about a little bit off but uh off air was uh malcolm radke had asked is if we're going to see you in september for the oiler flame alumni game here in lloyd yeah i hope to be i hope to be back i i've, I've told i've said i'm coming um 
it, it kind of revolves around my son. That's always the minor hockey crazy time. Right, right. And my son, um, you know, I don't think I'm coaching the team. I, I think I'm just going to help whoever coaches. But my son always wants me around, like for evaluations and that. So, but I, I think I'll, I think I'll sneak away for that one. I haven't, I haven't been doing a lot of alumni stuff because I have been coaching. And this year, I thought, you know, I'm just going to take the take the time off, just help out and do some extra things that I've been putting off. That's really cool. Yeah, it'd be nice to come back. Um, <clears throat> Brent Weens had asked, in your time in the league, what was your favorite charity to work with or be a part of? Well, favorite charity. Man, there was there was quite a few. Quite a few in Tampa, but that's, man, that's so long ago. I can't remember. I actually won, I won an award for the community, community service, community service there. Me and, me and a, one of the guys from the Buccaneers. Um they re- they actually uh, had an award back then, and him and I won it my last year in Tampa. Um, so I did a bunch of stuff with you know, everything from Special Olympics to, to hospital stuff. Um, Is there anything that sticks out in particular? Like even uh, maybe... Uh, uh, well, the Children's Hospital in, in Toronto. Like in Toronto, I didn't, I didn't wasn't asked to do those too many things because they had a lot bigger names, but um, the Ronald McDonald House was always... We, we did a tour of the Children's Hospital and Ronald McDonald House every year in Toronto. And that was, that was, that was, you know, heartbreaking to see, to see, uh, see the kids in there and, um, you know, you're trying to just raise their spirits, right? So, yeah, yeah. And that's, yeah, that's probably the, probably the hardest thing to see as a player. So get emotional just thinking yeah. about it. You know, yeah. So. Well, it's cool what you or it's really inspiring what the NHL does. You see it all the time. You see it all the time. It's awesome. And and you know, a lot of guys make a lot more money now. So they're able to and that's you know, that's not the thing, but it it, it allows them to do more things. Yeah. You know, whether it's you know, having a box at the games or and that was one thing I was gonna do in Tampa when I was I was because uh, I didn't have a contract, I was a free agent and I was I said, Well you know, we were negotiating. I said, Well, I, I put my negotiation on you know, I'll, I'll buy a box for, for kids. And, um, you know, they end up, they weren't interested in that, but, uh, that was, we were trying to negotiate something and end up negotiating a different deal. And they traded me like three days later, but, <laughs> but it was a different ownership group. Uh, yeah. Yeah. had just come in, but, um, yeah, it's, it's awesome to see. I mean, especially when you're, you have hockey markets and the kids are look up to look up to these players and yeah, it's, 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 it's great. And you see it all the time now on social media, what guys are doing. Yeah, well, that's uh, we talk about all the distractions and the negativity behind social media, but some of like the, yeah, the things that it allows for people to see on what's going on is absolutely, amazing. Absolutely, right? absolutely. Yeah, yeah, that's a good part about it, isn't it, for sure. Well, I, just two that come right to mind from this year has been St. Louis Blues and uh, the girl they had with them. Yeah, exactly. And then Carey Price at the awards, uh, yeah. NHL awards, having the boy come out. Like, those two right there off the top of my head, right? And that's yeah. in the last, like, month. And, and, and uh, you know, and, and now you say that the NHL and, this, and the individual teams, they do, they reach out more now because they can, those those are great stories for them. Yeah, and absolutely. Those, and those, and, you know, back when I played, those, that didn't, ex- like, didn't exist like there was no getting that out other than maybe a a video on the on, on the, the on big the, tron on the big yeah jumbotron, jumbotron. Or whatever right so yeah so that's a great story for the not, that's why you see so much now uh your brother wanted me to ask did you ever meet george steinbrenner 
<laughs> George, yes, I did. <laughs> yeah, had a, a Wade Gardner again, another, you know, he comes in a story, another story. He came down with uh, another Lloyd boy, ex-Lloyd uh, Blazer, Jeff Hill. They came down to visit me in Tampa. And it was spring training at the, that when they came down and uh, our, our, our medical guy was a baseball baseball guy and I say hey, do you have any connections with the Yankees the Yankees had just built a brand new facility in Tampa it's just exceptional exceptional building and um he goes yeah yeah I got I, I know the guy and I said well I need I need I need some tickets so yeah I'll see what I can do so the next day I got you tickets perfect tell Jeff and Wade yeah we got Yankees tickets we'll go to the game perfect so it's all set the next day trainer calls me over he's like uh so I got you better tickets I'm like, I'm, how, what are you talking about? He's like, but there's a catch. I go, what's the catch? He goes, you're, you're going to be in George Steinbrenner's box. And I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, he goes, it ends up that I was his grandson's favorite player. <clears throat> I don't know why or how. But, uh, <clears throat> um, yeah, he goes, yeah, they found out you're coming to the game and they want you sitting in his box and, <laughs> and you got to bring an autograph stick for his grandson. <laughs> So easiest thing you so yeah do. so so I so again I called Jeff and Wade and I said yeah I got a, got a special special surprise when we when you guys come to Tampa and there we are sitting in George Steinbrenner's box and I still remember those two giving me a hard time how can how can you be like the grandson didn't even know what your name is huh? there's no way you, you're his favorite player they were just giving me a hard time <laughs> you haven't you haven't scored a goal and blah blah blah. So, anyways, we ended up getting pictures of Stor- George Steinbrenner, and that's pretty cool. It was so funny, and I, I've got that picture. I've got I had that picture up on my <coughs> fridge in Toronto, and a couple of guys come over like, "Not George Steinbrenner." Steinbrenner? <laughs> yeah. One of my brother or my brother Dustin wanted to know: Did you always think you were going to make it to the NHL no. to the show? No, of course. I mean, obviously, with the story, you know, always there was that dream. Or what at what point at did what you point? think? You know what? I might be going there. Well, uh, I guess when I got drafted, you know, I guess that's step one, right? But uh, when I started skating with the Oilers the, um, uh, in the summers, so when I was getting ready for training, those first couple of years of training camp, and I was skating with the, the pros, um, the Oiler pros and that, and I wasn't too far behind. I'm like, I can play with these guys. Like That's when the confidence started, and I knew I wasn't too far off. And that's when I started thinking, yeah, this this could be a possibility. And then I got the, then I got the five games in with Tampa. And in the training camp, yeah, yeah, in the five games of Tampa, then I was like, okay, yeah, I, I'm I'm here, like I'm right here, and I don't want to play in the minors anymore. And it's probably a good time to, good time to stop because yeah, that next year, um, you know, came to training camp and I was on. It was my mission to, to make the team, and I did. So, Cool. Well, I got two questions for you, nice and quick, and then I'll let you go sure. and get to your barbecue. I always ask every guy who comes on here, it was suggested by a listener way way back when, uh, if you had a time machine and you could go watch any event unfold, whether it's sporting, whether it's history, just go to a place in time, where would you go? Where would you take the time machine? <laughs> well, I'm a big World War II fan. So I wouldn't want to be in it, but the invasion of Normandy, I think that was, I mean, 
probably the most epic thing in in uh, in our in our generation or this in last, last hundred hundred years. hundred years, right? Yeah. So that's probably one thing I would like to see from obviously not be involved in, but it'd be pretty amazing to see. If you could pick one defenseman to be your partner, who would it have been? <laughs> Living, not past, present, playing. Well, the guys I had the salary best, cap is not an issue. The guys I had best chemistry with were Bill Holder, and Bill Holder in Tampa, Aki Berg in Toronto, Aki Berg, yeah, uh, Steve Stales, Steve and, Stales, uh, yeah. Scott Ferguson. Okay, those four guys are probably the guys I had the best chemistry with. Just we just knew each, where each other was, and that's. You're not going to give me Bobby or Paul. Coffey. I mean, obviously, I'd like to. You know what, Brian? I would have loved to play more with Brian Berard. Brian Berard, okay. Brian, Brian, and I were D partners. Brian was a phenomenal player, and then when he got injured, you know, and I, I was, we were D partners there, and um, I think him and I would would have done some, had a pretty awesome season. That would have that would been a good thing. That's when he gets hit in. The so eye? he got lost his eye, yeah. Were you yeah. on the ice for that? I was on the bench. Yeah, he had changed. He was. He just happened to be on yeah, the ice yeah, before yeah, me. Okay. Yeah, But you were his defense partner. At yeah. The time. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah, and then uh, they hired they they signed Gerald Diddick, and then he became my partner. So it was <laughs> it was you know it was wasn't the same. Two two different players, right? Yeah. So, but uh, I mean, I I didn't play with him, but I watched Nick Lidstrom. Yeah. And, uh, Brian Leach, two of the best, two, two of the best defensemen I've played with for sure. I'm going to a wedding here in Buffalo in about ten days time, and there's a guy at the wedding that I played with, and anytime we played with, we got scored on. So I'll rephrase the question: Is there a guy that you played with where you just had no chemistry, and anytime you got on, it just seemed to go in the back of the net? Well, I remember uh, Eric Brewer. I had terrible chemistry with Eric Brewer. It's <laughs> 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 just like. Pass me the puck, man. Like, he just would not pass the puck over. <laughs> like, he probably gave me a hard time. I was going, I, you know, he, he, for whatever reason, he wouldn't pass me the puck. I'm like, pass me the puck. I'll get it back to you. You can go. I would have made him, I would have made him a better player. Yeah. But he just, he was young. He just wasn't quite there yet. And, uh, yeah, I didn't like playing with him too much. But, um, yeah, other than that, I, you know, in Tampa, I play with a lot of a lot of rookies. Yeah, any rookie call up, that's I who was, you're with. I was that's who I was with, and um, so, but uh, yeah, no, I I can't really. Yeah, other than Eric, there wasn't too many other guys that I had terrible chemistry with. No, oh, I forgot Darius Kasparitis, another guy who we, him and I had great chemistry in New York. Yeah, yeah, so. Well, I really appreciate you coming in. I know you got a busy schedule, as people can hear your phone's gone a couple of times. I assume I've taken you over the time limit. But uh, I really appreciate you coming in. I hope we can do this again because I'd really like for people, I'd like to hear more about Toronto and Edmonton, the Canadian markets, Madison Square, um, yes. Detroit with that team, a second world championships, the Royal Bank Cup. Like, There's just so much more. And uh, yeah, I'm old. <laughs> no, you just you've got <laughs> such good happen. you got yeah. such good stories though, right? And uh, cool experiences that not a lot of people get. Yeah, no, I love to come back. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. cool. Yeah, well, I look thank, forward to it. Yeah, thanks again. Okay, thanks. Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed Corey Cross. Uh, <laughs> that guy has a cool story 
Um, I really hope uh, in the near future we can get him back on for um, part two because there's a lot more to the story and I want to get into the Leafs and playing for the Oilers and all that good stuff. Um, so I hope uh, in the near fu- future we'll get him back and I, I fully plan on having him back on and we'll just see what Corey's uh, schedule is like over the coming months and and uh, we'll try and get him back on so we can hear the rest of uh, what's been going on in his career and uh, up to this point. And um, yeah, so I hope you enjoyed that one. Up next week is uh, Sydney Smythe. She is a girl who, out of Minnesota who played uh, Division One for RPI and then carried on to go on Red Bull Crashed Ice. And so here's a little snippet from our uh, interview next week. What to bring and what to do. I was like, okay. And I had never really seen Red Bull. I mean, I kind of had heard about it one time. And then uh, I had we had a game. I was coaching a game. And this game went into two overtimes. And it was like, I was like, I've got tryouts, you know? And so I messaged the lady. I'm like, hey, I don't think I'm going to make it. She's like, I don't care how late you are, just show up. I was like, okay, all right. So I pick up my friend on the way. <laughs> and we just come running into the rink and we're getting dressed. And I ran into, remember I said I played that the summer hockey? So when I walked in, there was another girl there and I played summer hockey with her. And I was like, hey, I know you. And she's like, what are you doing here? I'm like, I don't know, were you trying out? She's like, yeah. And she had done it before, so she knew what she was getting into. So I'm getting dressed, and I'm like, well, I guess I don't need, you know, you don't need your stick. But you wear full gear, right? Full gear, yeah. yeah. And we get out there, and everyone's taking their, like, hot laps. And she's down there, like, crouching and doing these squats. And I'm like, what is she doing? And I didn't realize you had to, like, it was an obstacle course. So you had to go, like, you had to duck under something, and you had to jump over something. And she had done it before, so we were just, like, a whole bunch of minions following her, trying to mimic whatever she was doing.